I believe every one of us has a divine plan that has already been crafted by God Almighty. And He gave you the parents that He did, and He put you in the home that you were brought up in for a specific reason and for a specific purpose. So you are not here just because you've happened to dodge the bullet, as the saying goes. You're here today because it all is working in a big plan for you to become what God wants you to become. I became very interested last week when I was talking about Elijah going by the field where Elisha was plowing and just casting his cloak in that direction. That's in 1 Kings chapter Chapter 19 and verse 19, I think, is a, is a scripture here where this is where he departed and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the 12. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. Now that last phrase really got into my spirit. What does it mean when the mantle is cast upon you? That's a heavy, heavy statement. And I believe it is part of what I was talking about earlier. That I am carrying out the plan that God had for me that was designed before I was ever born. And I believe that everything that is happening in my life is happening for a plan and a purpose. Remember, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So I believe that I am fulfilling and carrying out excuse me, what God, what God has already put into place in my life. The mantle or the anointing comes from a Hebrew word adorate, and it means glory or cloak. So it isn't, it isn't just a cloak. It is an overcoat type garment. But it is much more than that. Strong's lexicon calls it glory, splendor, and magnificence. So there was something special about the fact that Elijah was able to cast his garment over Elisha. And suddenly Elisha caught the vision of what Elijah was trying to get him to do. I wonder how many times when we come together in this place and the glory of the Lord is so obvious like it has been here today and the Lord is walking up and down among us and He is touching and ministering and healing bodies and, and, and blessing people. I wonder if we really comprehend or understand the significance of the moment and catch the moment. Elijah, when he cast his garment out over Elisha, there was such a significance about it until Elisha immediately stopped plowing those 12 yoke of oxen and was ready to follow Elijah. I want to, I want to tell you that you are born with the glory of the Lord in your life and in your future. And everything that happens to you, everything that comes your way, as I said before, 
is working toward the glory of the Lord that he wants to develop in you. Even Adam and Eve, right on back to the Garden of Eden, when they were, when they were put there by God, God fixed it so that they would almost have to be successful, but he gave them a choice. He said, now all of the trees of the garden you can eat, but the one tree that's in the middle of the garden, you can't eat of it. And if you do, you will die. So God gave them a choice. But look how God stacked the deck in their favor. You can eat from all the other trees. I'm not going to hinder you from enjoying everything else that there is out there. But that one, don't do it. And of course, that's the thing that happened. And this is the same thing that's going on in our life all the time. God is putting all of this good stuff out there for us. And if we're smart enough and wise enough to recognize it and see what the Lord is trying to do, He's going to make out of you something that's going to bring glory to His name. I believe that. But there is always an effort by Satan to bring you a, a mantle of shame rather than the one that the Lord wants you to do in order to carry out His plan and His purpose in our life. And, and one of the things that I think the church has contributed to is the fact that we, we are being attacked from the very early in life for us to get off course and not be what God has called us to be. Our children, from everything they watch in the movie industry, in the television industry, it's all geared for them to follow a certain plan and to follow a certain leading or attraction or temptation. Anything that would pull them away from what God has planned and what God's purpose is in their life. And, and one of the things that many people are afraid to really get out in the presence and the power of God is the fear of rejection. Because many times when the Lord speaks into our hearts, we are reluctant, as our brother said this morning, we are reluctant to hear what the Lord says because we've built up walls around us, walls where we won't let people in, we won't let the Spirit of God do but so much because we have to maintain a certain level of civility so people will look at us and say, man, they've got it all together. God forbid that something comes on to you that's so powerful that you have to get up from where you are and come down here and bow on your knees before the Lord. So we put this thing up out there that keeps, keeps us in our comfort zone. And the church does a lot to help that. Because we rush it through, we rush through the services, and it's almost like we're trying to get out before a certain time so that we can be the first ones in line at the restaurant. Amen. I'm preaching better than you shouting. But you understand what I'm saying here. We have to be careful. Also, I feel like that in the church realm, we've been too quick to elevate some people. I think people come along and they're gifted and they're talented and they can speak well and it doesn't take but just a few times and we've already put them in high positions of leadership. 
I think that's a mistake. And I think it'll prove to be a mistake. The Bible says lay hands suddenly on no one. In other words, don't be anointing people before they're ready to be anointed. Don't be placing them in in offices until they're ready and they have the wisdom of God inside of them. Then they'll be able to accomplish what the Lord has for them to accomplish. A lot of people have go through different things. There's, There's things that's called rebellion. Rebellion, which means I don't want you telling me anything. I don't need you to tell me I'm a grown man or I'm a, I'm a grown lady and I don't need you to tell me anything. Rebellion is, is the sin of witchcraft. And it is, it is a sin before God. And we have to be careful that we have the right kind of spirit and the right kind of heart to receive what the Lord is speaking to us. I hadn't even started my sermon yet. I'm just talking. I'm just talking to you. I want you to understand that. There's also spiritual warfare going on all the time to keep you from becoming what God wants you to become. I'm telling you, there are negative forces that are against you every moment of every day in your life. And they're trying to pull you down. They're trying to discourage you. They're trying to take the spiritual wind out of your sails so you won't have the heart or the enthusiasm for the Lord that you had before. You've always got someone who's ready to pour water on the whole thing and make you feel like you are a dumb somebody or you wouldn't be asking this. I want to tell you, I want to see the time when we throw aside all of those red flags and we said, here I am, Lord. I'm ready to give myself away so you can use me. That's exactly what Elisha did. When Elijah came along, and Elijah said, uh, as he cast his mantle upon him, he didn't even say anything until after he had done that. Look at verse 20. We're on 1 Kings 19, 19. And and look look at verse 20. He said he cast his mantle upon him. And then verse 20 And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. Now you can't tell me that just somebody throwing their coat at you, at you, how you like that, at you. You got to be from Ory County to understand that. Throw the cloak at them. There's got to be more to it than that. This man is a farmer. He's apparently a pretty prosperous farmer. He's plowing 12 yoke of oxen. That's 24 oxen he's plowing. I don't know what kind of plow he's pulling, but he's turning up some ground, buddy. And he quickly left the oxen and ran after Elijah. And he did make a request. He said, let me go kiss my father and mother and then I'll follow you. Elijah did not say one word about him following him. All he did, he he understood the significance of the moment. He, He grabbed the moment and he said, I am ready to follow you, but let me go tell my mom and dad bye. Let me kiss them goodbye. And he said, go, go back. What have I done to you? (laughs) Look at verse 21. 
The next verse says, And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave them to the people and they did eat and he arose and went after Elijah and ministered to him. Glory to God. Now that, that to me is just an amazing response to a man of God walking by and giving an opportunity to someone who's not trained in seminary, someone who doesn't have a Bible degree, someone who does not know anything about ministry. All he knows is this is an important moment and I'm going to grab the urgency of this moment and I'm going to make it count for something special. Now you know before you got married, those, those moments that you spent together with your sweetheart, you better be smart enough to recognize those sweet moments. Because when you go home and leave her, you got to think about those sweet moments until you see them the next time. And this is exactly the thought and the idea that is involved here. He said this is a once in a lifetime thing. And I better grab it while the grabbing's good. And he said, I'm willing to leave everything that I'm involved in, he said, and go and follow the Lord. Now, I want to get to my sermon. Second Kings chapter 2, verse 1 through 9. I want you to look at this. Second Kings chapter 2, verse 1 through 9. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha, said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? Sometimes, sometimes people who mean well don't say it right. And he said, yeah, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha, said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? That's the same thing they told him before. <laughs> yeah, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. Now this is four different places that he's being sent. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together. Here's that mantle again. And smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee. 
before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. I want a double portion of that spirit. I want a double portion of that spirit. Hallelujah. It's interesting because in all of these different places that, that Elijah is taking Elisha, every one of them means something. Gilgal. Let's talk about Gilgal. That's the first place where Elijah tried to get Elisha to stay there. And he wouldn't do it. Gilgal is the first stop on the journey. And Gilgal is a place that means separation. It means cutting away. It means I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. So Gilgal was the first place that you have to go when you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've got to be willing to let the past be the past and forget about it and go on and do what the Lord has called you to do. It's a special place. It's a special place. It was, a, it was the home base for Joshua and the Israelites and the first place that they would come when they got into the promised land. I'm going to Gilgal, Elisha. You stay here. And Elisha said, no, sir, buddy. I done found what I was looking for and I'm not going anywhere. If you go, I go. If you stay, I stay. Lord, I pray, give us some men and women of God who are determined not to be defeated and say, here I am and I will be here by the help and by the grace of God. Hallelujah. It was the journey. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Remember in Joshua chapter 4, verses 19 to 24. I'm going to read it to you quickly. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites in the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? You tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what He had done to the Red Sea when He dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and that you might always fear the Lord your God. Hallelujah. He said, I want there to be a stack of stones. And every time your children walk by, they want to say, Daddy, what is those stones stacked up there for? You're going to tell them those stones are there because they remind us that God dried up the waters of the Jordan River and let us be able to cross on dry ground. Every time you go to Gilgal, you can see those stones stacked up and they remind us that God is still rolling back the stones. God is still opening up impossible things for His people to be able to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. Yes, Gilgal was necessary. Gilgal was the first stop on the journey after you crossed the Jordan River. So that was so important. Hallelujah.
But he said the second thing that was about Gilgal was in chapter 5. When they had not been circumcised for all of those years that they were in the wilderness. And this was the time when Joshua, when the Lord spoke to Joshua and said, I want all of these men who have not been circumcised. They've been walking the idol gods and it's time to turn back to the one true living God. So it means cutting away. It means getting out of your life those fleshy things that do not belong there. I'm telling you, God is wanting us today in the midst of a church that seems to be caught up in the glamour and glitz We need to remember there is still a cutting away that is necessary. I still have to humble myself before Almighty God. I still have to pray for God to take away any sinfulness out of my life. I still believe in living right and doing right. I still believe the Bible teaches that we must cut away from ourselves those things that are not of God and let the Lord be glorified in all of us. Praise the Lord. Then the next stop is Bethel. He said, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord is calling me to go to Bethel. And when he sent me to Bethel, as surely as the Lord lives, he said, I will not leave you. Glory to God. It was at Bethel that, that uh, Jacob had his vision of the ladder that was going up to heaven and the angels were ascending and descending on that ladder. Bethel means the house of God. It means the place where you can meet God. And don't forget, this is not about a ceremony. This is not about tradition. This is about a living God. This is about a God that is still alive and that is still on the throne. We're not talking about a God that hung on a cross and He's still up there. Oh no, He did go to the cross. He did pay the price. But He came forth out of that grave on the third day and is seated at the right hand of God the Father right now making intercession for His saints. I want to tell you, Bethel, the house of God is necessary. The Bible declares how important it is for us to go to the house of God. He said on the first day of the week, let every one of you gather together and let them give as the Lord has blessed them every time on the first day of the week. He said, I want you to know that you need to be in the house of God. You need to be in Bethel. Glory to God. Joshua chapter 5 verse 13 it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. That was the next one on the list, was Jericho. Jericho was important because it was important from the simple fact that it means to walk by faith. Jericho was there and Joshua was by Jericho and he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said unto him, are you for us or for our adversaries? Verse 14 said, and he said, No, but as captain of the host of the Lord, I'm now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord, 
to, this, to his servant. Verse 15 says, And the captain of the Lord's host said unto him, Unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua was a man of war. Joshua was always ready to fight. And he was always looking out for his people. When he spotted this man with a drawn sword, he was interested to find out, are you one of our friends or are one of, your, one of our enemies? And the man quickly told him, I'm here to let you know I'm not taking anybody's side. I'm here to tell you I'm taking over. I'm the, I'm the mighty warrior. I'm the one and only. Hallelujah. And I can accomplish what you'll never be able to accomplish for yourself. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I've come to take over. I've come to take over. Are you ready for the man of God to take over? Are you ready for the man with the sword in his hand to say, I'm here so that you don't have to worry anymore. I'm going to fight your battles for you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Then the final step on the journey before Elijah was taken to heaven, he had to go to Jordan. The Jordan is a special place. Not only is it a place where Jesus would later be baptized, not only was it a place that was of significance to that little nation of Israel, but the River Jordan stands for death and resurrection. It stands for the death of the Lord who went to the cross and died for us. It stands for the resurrection of Him coming forth on the third day. It stands for the fact that I must go to that old rugged cross. It stands for the fact that I can't go to heaven. I'll never make it to the promised land until I cross the Jordan. I've got to bow on my knees at the cross. I've got to acknowledge that I am a sinner and that I am estranged from God. I have to acknowledge that I cannot save myself. I have to acknowledge that I have to have a Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. So I bow at the foot of that old rugged cross, and I'm thankful for the cross, because the cross made the difference in my life, and it'll make the difference in your life. But it's not just about the cross. It's about the resurrection also. It's about Jesus showing himself by many infallible proofs right on for 50 days after the crucifixion and the resurrection. He showed himself to many different people so they would see that death could not hold him and the cross could not keep him. He was more powerful than all of it. Yes, Elijah, I feel the urgency of the moment. And when that mantle of the cross is thrown in my direction, I am willing to leave whatever I am doing and follow faithfully until the Lord calls me home. That's what God is calling all of us to do. It's not about politics. It's not about who you like or who you don't like. It's all about following the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Praise God. We have to go to all of those places. We have to follow through and understand that Jesus Christ is the real reason and the real hope. Yes, 
I catch the urgency of this moment. God has brought you into this building at this time on this date in this year for this moment. He is passing by you. The mantle that He gave to His disciples when He said, Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. You shall go in My name. And in My name you shall cast out devils. And in My name you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And in My name if you pick up any serpents or scorpions it shall not hurt you. Yes, Lord, I feel the urgency of the cloak of your anointing. I want to be an anointed man of God. I want the anointing of God to flow like a free river. Hallelujah. Everywhere I go. When I go to the hospital, I want the people to be aware, here is a man of God. Here is a man that the anointing is flowing from him. When I speak, I want to speak the oracles of God. When I declare, I want to declare something by the authority of God. I'm here to tell you that Satan is a roaring lion, is walking about seeking whom he may devour. He won't He wants to pull you aside. He wants to discourage you. He wants to make you doubt that everything that you have been believing and that you stand for, that none of it's true. But you remember what Jesus said when He said the devil is a liar. He is the father of lies. If anything is causing you to slacken up, it's not God. God is always for you. God is always pushing you. God is always on your side. He'll never discourage you. He'll never make you want to quit church. You can't quit church and say God led you to do it. That's a lie. I hate to be so abrupt, but it's a fact. God is not going to lead you to do something that's going to pull you down and hurt you. I say again, He's for you. He had a plan for you before you were ever formed in the womb of your mother. God had a plan for you and for me. I've spent my life trying to carry out some of that plan. I haven't always been successful. I've made some foolish decisions. I've done things I wish I could go back and undo. But I'm not going to spend the rest of my life wishing certain things had not happened. I'm going to make my life count. I'm going to make the rest of my life be something for the Lord. I'm not interested in controlling anybody. I just want to be under the control of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So the Lord will be the one that will lead us and guide us in the way that we need to go. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. I believe the Lord wants us to hear the message of His Word today. He's got a message for you. He's got something for you. But I want you to know He's on your side. He will never, ever, ever, ever be against you. He's always for you. He's always for you.
I just feel like I need to take some time right now. I want you to close your eyes and bow your head. I wonder, and I, and I, I know what I feel in my spirit. I wonder how many people are in here today. And you've just been so beat down and so discouraged. And you feel like that you, you just have come to the place. Things have got to change in your favor. And you want my prayers. I want you to just slip your hand up and put it right back down quickly. Quickly. Yes. All over this church. Hands everywhere. I don't take that lightly. I don't want us to leave here with those needs not being ministered to. I wonder if you're serious enough about what you just did that you will take a second step and that you will just come and stand across the front of this church. Nobody's going to embarrass you, but I want to see how interested you really are. And God wants to see how really serious you are. Just come and stand right here. Right here. Because I believe the Lord wants to do something awesome for you today. Glory to God. That's right. Just, just come. Just come. Just come. Just come. God, I've done everything that I know to do and I just need something miraculous to happen. I just, I, God, I just need something to happen. I'm not even sure what it's going to take to bring correction to this problem. But God, I trust you. And I believe you. Hallelujah. Now, I'd, I'd, I'd like, and I wonder how many Spirit-filled people will just come and stand behind these and you will agree with me in prayer and agree with me that God is going to touch and do something special in the lives of these people who are here today. Just, 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 stand, just stand around them and we're going to pray over them in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. In the name of Jesus, Father, we bless you and we praise you.